If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are talking about gender, sexuality, and fairness. This is uh, a big topic. I mean, I guess I feel like a lot of our topics have been big lately. <laughs> we just can't get away from these really... You know, the human heart, Jace. Is the a, human heart. Yeah, the human heart is... deep a, and wide. <laughs> deep and wide. It's got a fountain flowing deep oh, and wide i love that you it. i love that you worked in a christian song into yeah. this intro here yeah. that's yeah. great yeah we're gonna talk about I aim to sprinkle in christianity into our heathen topic of polyamory yeah exactly uh yeah we're gonna be talking about gender um some differences between the experience of people who identify as male or female in terms of their poly journey or their just their dating journey mm. in general um also about sexuality um most specifically talking about bisexuality and um or you know polysexuality or pansexuality or omnisexuality or whatever you know all these terms that uh, kind of have been created around this not gay not straight but something else mm-hmm. uh and then uh, also talking about fairness just this idea of um of this struggle for fairness that a lot of us feel compelled toward and some ways to think about that uh, and mm. some some advice from the Buddha at the end oh. here. The Buddha himself <laughs> makes a yes. guest appearance yes. on the Multi-Amory podcast. Man, <laughs> that's who should we should get, Jace. That would be the best guest Can ever. Can you imagine if we got the Buddha? Oh, that'd be so good. And he would like promote us to his followers. Oh, man, that'd be great. Oh, man. Yeah, I bet he's got a sick Twitter okay, follower. Okay, yeah. Let's see if we can we can contact the Buddha's people. <laughs> see if we could. Okay, we'll get our we'll get our people on that. Have our people uh-huh. talk to his people. Exactly. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay. So this discussion was inspired, oddly enough, by Comic Con. Yeah. Yeah. So this this last weekend. Uh, well, I guess when this episode comes out, it will be a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was just at Comic Con this last weekend, and uh, it was great. And um, it's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, the reason. Okay, why so we're you talk- went to Comic Con. Yeah. You dressed up as like a super sexy Red Sun Superman. Yes, um, I dressed up as Red Sun like Superman. Definitely the most important part of the story. Yeah, we're we're gonna post some pictures of that on our Patreon group mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who want to check it out. Oh, uh, definitely. Trust me, you want to check it out. So the fun thing about Red Sun Superman is that it's an alternate reality version of Superman where his space pod that lands on Earth when he's a baby uh, lands 12 hours later. So instead of landing in the Midwest, it lands in uh, in Soviet Russia. It actually lands in the Ukraine, uh, which is part mm-hmm. of the USSR, because it's all like during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, you know, grows up, rather than fighting for truth, justice in the American way, is truth, justice, and the Soviet way. Mm. Uh, what's cool about it, though, is that he's still a good guy. 
Like, he's still the same person. He's still Superman who wants to save everyone and never wants to hurt anybody, mm-hmm. but believes in communism instead of believing mm-hmm. in capitalism. Uh, so it's it's this really cool alternate version, and, and it's sort of relevant to what we're talking about today in that it's it's not just the opposite of another thing. It's just different. Like, that things can mm. be different and still the same like i would have people stop me and say who didn't know who the character was Uh, uh and say oh is this like uh, you know superman gone bad or evil superman or something i'm like no he's a communist he's still a good guy though and it would Uh leave them just looking confused Uh like the idea (laughs) that a communist could be a good guy well i mean we've so been taught to associate the word communism with as being a bad word yeah yeah with the enemy that the communists are bad Yeah. yeah yeah Anyway, so it's one of the things that I really appreciate about that graphic novel, and it is kind of related mm-hmm. to what we're talking about. So yeah, so yeah, when you're at Comic Con, yeah, you ended up going to a an interesting sounding panel. Yeah, so on, on my last day, on on the Sunday at the end, uh, I was looking through. You know, I'd kind of run out of stuff to do. I had bought the things I was going to buy, and I was looking through the schedule of the panels, and I saw one that was titled "Bisexuality and Beyond." And it was about bisexuality in popular media, meaning not only comic books, but also TV shows, movies, stuff like that. Uh, and, 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 you know, normal books, not, not just comic books, too. And I was like, man, that's, I didn't expect to see something like that at Comic-Con. I'm going to go check that out. Um, it also happened to end up being next door to the room that was the panel about um, Christian comics. Uh, oh, interestingly interesting. enough, yes. Huh. <laughs> I didn't go into that one, so I don't know like, what that'd be an interesting panel to. I saw to their booth. There was a booth about, about yeah. Christian Christian based comics specifically, uh-huh. uh, but I didn't end up talking to them to find out more about that. Mm. And I didn't go to that panel because I was next door at this one about bisexuality. About bisexuality, <laughs> got it. Yeah, so so the panel was pretty cool, and it gave me a lot of stuff to think about. Uh, but so so basically on the panel was interesting because it was kind of a combination of some people that were actively involved in making comic books. Uh, one of the guys who was part of the panel um, was a, an older guy who has been kind of a big advocate for non-traditional sexuality and specifically bisexuality in comics and has mm. and now runs a publishing company that specifically makes characters that are bisexual or trans oh, or other things like that that makes graphic mm. novels about that, which is very cool. Um, but then there were also some people that were a little more on the political side of it who did more like lobbying the White House and, mm. um, uh, you know, creating campaigns like Dedeker and I, we were talking about this earlier, uh, that the show Constantine that was on a few years ago uh, is based on a you know series of comics, and the character of Constantine in the comics is bisexual. Like that is part of the canon of that character. Uh, and on the TV show, they just kind of left that part out. They didn't mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. actively deny it. They just didn't address it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what their campaign was, and I thought this was interesting because a lot of times you hear people complaining about the lack of representation in the media or something like that. It's like, yeah, but what are you doing about it that's constructive and not Mm. just complaining? And 
the what they did basically was this campaign to spread awareness online about the fact that the character of Constantine is bisexual. So much so that in press conferences and interviews that the network would have to address that question. Mm. You know, it's not saying like, hey, we're going to boycott this show. Because they're like, no, we liked the show. Like, we love comic book stuff. Like, we we Mm. loved the show. We weren't trying to hurt the show. We didn't have anything against the actors. But we just didn't want them to be able to ignore this fact. Uh, I see. Uh, Which kind of ties into our topic for this first section, which is about by erasure is the, yeah, the that's, term that's, that's used for this. Yeah. That's so fascinating um, to look at it that way. Cause I know that, you know what I've seen, I feel like for a long time, um, both, you know, in my own like bisexual slash pansexual explorations, as mm-hmm. well as, you know, connecting with other people in the bi community that um, there's just like not, we don't have an actual neutral, tolerant, acceptable space for bisexual people. Um, and what I mean by mm-hmm. that is like, like, a, a, like there's no valid space, you know, like we, what we've talked about on this podcast before is the fact that, um, with women, with female bisexuality, it's looked at as not serious. It's looked at as maybe playful or fetishistic, um, like you know, kind of with experimental, right? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Like with the assumption that either the woman is straight and is just having some girlish fun or mm-hmm. that she's gay and of course she would still sleep with men sometimes because like who wouldn't? Like kinda, who doesn't want a dick? Right, <laughs> it's sort of this this discrediting the idea that bisexuals can actually exist. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and so that's the thing is like within the straight community it's just not taken seriously. Within the lesbian community, I know that like there's a lot of frustration over bisexual women because mm-hmm. of those perceptions, like being perceived that oh you're just coming in here just to like play and then go back to the world of heteronormativity. Um Right. And then on the side for men, you know, that obviously bisexuality in men is considered to be very serious, you know, like it's a big deal if a man comes out as bisexual, but then there's the same but issue. It's is the that same like, issue. Yeah. That, that yeah. They the don't, straight, you, that the straight right. community sees them. Oh, you're just gay. Um, you're not actually straight. And the gay community sees them as like, oh, like maybe you're actually gay, but you don't want to have to give up the privileges of identifying as straight. Right. Like um, you, or, or you, you're gay. You just haven't quite gone there all the way yet. Exactly. Like you just haven't committed to it yet. And so right. like that, that it gets on both that, sides. Right. You yeah. get pushed toward one or the other that the mm-hmm. lesbian community and the straight community pushes women toward straight and both mm-hmm. the gay community and the straight community push men toward gay if they want to say yeah. that they're bisexual. And so it's so interesting, you know, that you're talking about the fact that this happens so often in the media. Like, you mentioned specifically mm-hmm. the fact that, like, no show will actually say the word bisexual. Well, yeah, that's what Even, I was, was going to get to that, yeah. too. Yeah. That, that That's something that we've recently seen a lot of characters which are bisexual on TV. Uh, you know, not, not just Constantine that didn't get addressed, but uh, shows like Orange is the New Black where Piper is very clearly with men and with women. Uh, We have shows like House of Cards, where Frank Underwood is with men and with women multiple times now in the course of the show. Mm. Uh, You know, there's there's many, many other examples. Those are just sort of the two, like, really big hot ones right now. But nobody 
ever says the word bisexual on any of those shows. Like, literally, the word never gets uttered. And in this discussion that I that I was listening to in this panel, they were talking about how, uh, you know, that a lot of times the argument for that is like, well, you know, they just don't want to be labeled by that or, you know, that that's something, you know, bigger than needing to label it. And they're like, yeah, 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 that's good. And I would be fine with a character not wanting to be put into a box or not wanting to be labeled, but someone should at least be able to ask them that question. Hmm. But like even that, that there's no one on the show who even says like, oh, so are you bisexual? Like, mm-hmm. utters the word, and for them to say, like, well, I prefer not to be labeled, but I'm this, right? Uh-huh. Like, that that it's just, you literally can't say the word at all. That it's that's it's so kind of this, this taboo word. And it had never really occurred to me, uh, but that that's the issue. Uh, and a funny little aside, actually, that one of the... One of the women on the panel was talking about is that they have a, um, like her sort of claim to fame is as a bisexual book critic. Uh, so she has a, a blog. Like she criticizes bisexual books or she is bisexual and a book critic? Uh, both. Um, oh, okay. Got it. Both, both, you know, offers that perspective on mainstream books, but also like specifically uh, looks for bisexual books to talk about oh, on okay, her, on her it. blog. And, what she was talking about was this joke that she has with her friends who who do the site with her. I think there's three of them that that do the site, and it's this game of like detective that you play when reading mm. the backs of books, because <laughs> no book will ever say the word bisexual. Yeah, yeah. That it's always going to be like, um, you know, uh, an exploration of non traditional relationships and self discovery <laughs> for this young woman uh-huh. on her journey to what? <laughs> right? It's like this, this like hidden uh-huh. code language on her to journey to, to an all girls university. <laughs> right, right. That it's like all hidden in this code about like huh. non traditional and exotic and and uh-huh. unexplored and mysterious yeah. and like these code words that are kind of substituted <laughs> for this uh, yeah so it's it's a really fascinating <laughs> really fascinating thing huh. um, yeah uh, and then the other thing that, that it brought up for me was they talked a lot about all the different labels they did a thing at the beginning where they said, you know, everyone who who identifies as bisexual, like stand up. Like everyone who identifies as pansexual, everyone identifies as, um, you know, non-binary. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone who identifies as uh, trans, you know, like whatever. Like they, they kind of went through this whole list, and they kind of made this this sort of short offhand joke about like, yeah, there's so many labels, but like that's that's the point, like. Like, when people ask us, like, why are there so many different labels? We're like, well, yeah, that's the point. That's what we got to do. And it made me kind of wonder about this of, like, why? Like, why why do we need all of them? And I don't mean that to say that we don't, but just actually Mm -hmm. the question of why. Because it's something that I get caught up on, and and I know that Emily's talked about this, and Dedeker, I think you have too, of of Mm -hmm. the the label of bisexual has kind of this connotation or like yeah. it's sort of loaded. I don't want to say a connotation yeah. like one specific thing. Uh-huh. But but it's kind of loaded and so I don't always love using that term. Yeah. But then I don't necessarily have another one that I like better. 
in terms of like pansexual or omnisexual or 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 polysexual or whatever. That's the thing. I find myself um, just slipping into the same thing that I end up doing with polyamory, which is in like. I'll say it, but I have to follow it up with an explanation of what it means. Sure, N- yeah. and not not as in like you're an idiot, and you don't know what it means, but as in like let this me is clarify what it means to me. Let <laughs> yeah. me clarify. This is what it means in my yeah. life, you know. So like yeah. that means me going on to to say something like, "Well, I've been I've dated both men and both women. Um, like my preferences for men, I." I tend to be more demisexual when it comes to my relationships with women, which goes, which means I have to go on to explain what demisexual means to me. Right, <laughs> um, right. That it, it has to become a much bigger conversation rather mm-hmm. than just saying, yeah, I'm bi. Yeah. Um, because as, as we've discussed, you know, just a man standing up and saying, yes, I'm bi, or a woman standing up and saying, yes, I'm bi, carries this, these totally different cultural meanings. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. that's absolutely true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things, um, another thing on the panel that, because that, I was asking myself this question about labels, and one of the guys on the panel, a different guy who is a, a comic book artist who has a lot of gay or bisexual characters that he creates, and he was saying that for many years when he would be interviewed or would get introduced to different places, it would be as like the first... Um, openly gay author to write for whoever, and I forget the company now, but he wrote for like a, a major, mm-hmm. um, a, a major comic book publisher, um, and so and 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 the characters he wrote weren't always gay, uh, mm-hmm. or or bi or anything like that, but it was known that he was with a man at the time, and so mm-hmm. was introduced as the openly gay, whatever. Like, that was his mm-hmm. title in these interviews. <laughs> okay. And he was saying, and he's like, and for so many years, he's like, I'm so used to just not giving a fuck about what people think <laughs> of me that I just let it go. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's like, and it wasn't until I hit this point where I was doing an interview, and in the interview with them, like, in the discussion with them, talked about how this happened to me, like, how this kept happening to me. Uh-huh. And that the the person interviewing him also shared the fact that that happened to them, um, and then later when introducing him did it. Interesting. Well, like when they wrote the actual article and when they tweeted I about see. it, they they did that. They you know called him the openly so wait, gay. So just to clarify, whatever. so he's bi. he's bisexual. Yes, I see. But because of that, he was with a man at the time that he was. They would just call him gay. Referred to yeah. as just gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that he finally kind of had this moment of like, fuck, like these people I talk to, they understand it. I understand it. Yet they did it anyway in writing their article. And so he's like, finally was like, I have to address this. And so, Mm. you know, started that discussion like in response to them on Twitter and talked about that. Mm -hmm. And, And he said that since then, it's been something that he's been working on finding a way to do it that's not coming across as adversarial, but just, mm-hmm. you know, not wanting to sort of discredit what they're trying to do, yeah. but kind of saying, hey, actually, uh, you know, let me just clarify real quick, because it's that bi erasure thing. It's that idea that bisexual yeah. doesn't exist. We have to call it something else because no one will accept mm-hmm. that because it doesn't exist. It's <laughs> sort it. of the, the idea. Uh-huh. Uh Cool. So from this, we're going to move on to talk about dating, uh, some mm-hmm. some challenges for that are different for men and women in terms of dating and OkCupid, and also kind of this ideal of what is the what is the ideal male and the ideal female. Yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on AdamMail.com and Eve'sToys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Let's get back into this. Okay, let's... What are we? We're jumping back into dating? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some some differences in in dating for men and women. Okay, so first of all, I mean, we can just talk from personal experience here as well. Right. Um, Because I believe you on your dating profile, you identify Mm -hmm. as heteroflexible. Yes. yes. Again, talking about have all the labels. Ad- I'm I'm yeah, like yeah. I don't Have you ever identified as like bisexual, pansexual? I I haven't listed mine as bisexual on OK Cupid. Uh uh-huh. no, I don't think I've actually listed it as that. Yeah. Um Got it. Again, it's one of those things where I'm like none of like they all all the labels have sort of a connotation with them. Mm-hmm. That's not like it's not like none of them are are adequate unfortunately mm-hmm. <laughs> for me yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes but but since listing that uh and and i made that change uh probably oof, gosh i don't know maybe a year ago uh maybe mm-hmm. a little less than a year ago actually uh and it definitely changed the type of messages and the frequency of messages that i get on mine yeah uh with the main thing being that now i get messages from men uh yeah. and that as won't surprise anybody who has used OkCupid, uh, once once it was possible, like once I show up in search results for men, I get a lot more messages than I mm-hmm. did because men are much more likely to send out initial messages than women are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I get more messages, still not a ton. But what was interesting is that I also get more messages, like more unsolicited messages from women for, or from, you know, people who identify as female Mm-hmm. than I did before as well. 
Because as a guy on OK Cupid, as a as a hetero guy on OK Cupid, you get almost no messages ever. Yeah. Like you're yeah. you're the initiator of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that maybe I would get a message to me every few months, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found that since changing my status to just anything that's not heterosexual, <laughs> um, I actually get more messages from women. And part of it is that uh, OK Cupid allows you if you're not heterosexual allows you to make your profile not viewable by straight people. Oh, interesting. And it's a controversial feature that, that some people have a big problem with, but oh, really? it's there for the purpose. Well, cause it allows some discrimination that no one else gets it, right? It's this idea I of see. like, well, why can they discriminate against one group and others I can't see. do that? Like someone else couldn't say, so as in, why can I not say like, Oh, I don't want any gay people to look at my right, profile. Right, I right. see. Um, but I understand the reasoning behind it. It is just that, yeah, you want to feel like it's a safe place for you to to express this, and the people that you tend to not be safe from are <sighs> heterosexual people. people. Yeah, which is Jesus. is a really sad thing. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, in in making my profile, you know, viewable by them because it goes the other way too. If you have yours that like straight people can't see me, you can't view them either. Uh, mm-hmm. So that does at least go both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, that I found that I received more messages from women as well. And I don't know this for sure, but probably because they fall in that category where they've they've I blocked see. these profiles. But because they feel like they're in a safer place, maybe, are more mm-hmm. likely to write the initial messages themselves. I see. Got it. Um, or just because you're super hot. Ah, uh, well, thanks. But oh, I didn't get them before, well. so something changed. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I got Maybe you hotter? got hotter. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. Uh, uh, thanks. So, I mean, what are the, like, the kind of messages that you get from men? Uh, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know, yeah, it's that. Um, I've actually gotten some... Some kind of you know nice nice opening messages. They're generally pretty short, pretty simple, mm-hmm. uh, shorter than the messages that I normally write if I'm writing mm-hmm. the initial message to someone, um, mm-hmm. which has made me think maybe I write too long of messages. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> but usually it's just like you know a short you know hey what's up hey cutie whatever uh-huh. um, yeah. I, which you know, as most people on OKCupid know, doesn't get a lot of response. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you mentioned about like men kind of seeking to figure out what mm. quote unquote like type of heteroflexible you are, or what exactly your motivation is in yeah. Well, so in choosing so that something that that you were talking about earlier, Dedeker, is the how you're uh, you know bisexual, but with women you're more demisexual. Yeah, and let's clarify that for our yeah. listeners in case they don't know. So demisexual, um, so, yeah, go for it. You you do it. Yeah, so so dem- people who identify as demisexual, generally they don't feel sexual attraction for someone, or they don't feel an impulse to have sex with someone until after they've developed some kind of emotional bond with that person. 
And that can be different different levels of intimacy for each person. But basically, right. like there needs to be some kind of closeness or some kind of intimacy that could be romantic, could be a friendship. There needs mm-hmm. to be some kind of bond there before they actually experience a sexual attraction to them. Yeah, um, it's kind of an offshoot of, of asexual. So it's people who mm-hmm. tend to gravitate a little more toward asexual, where they might have romantic mm-hmm. relationships, but don't feel as much of a, a sexual drive. Mm-hmm. Um, as as like seems to be the typical norm, uh, so yes, but it's kind of saying like, well, I don't feel no sexual drive, but mm-hmm. like you said, it kind of it requires some other things first. Yeah, I've definitely found for me, um, even just in like like you know checking out women on the street, like first of all, I'm like super super picky. Um, sure, and like if I d- if I do see a woman that I am attracted to that I think is attractive, um, like my first thought is not like, "Wow, it'd be fun to like sleep with her." My first thought is like, "I want to hang out with her and find out what kind of a person she is." Sure, sure, you know, um, yeah. which is like different from like if I see an attractive man on the street, I might maybe more likely to be like, "Oh, like like." he seems sexy or you know like that it's more of a physical right. thing versus yeah. like with my attraction to women it kind of requires a little bit more thought process behind it mm-hmm. um yeah well so yeah so that's something that and and the reason why i brought that up is because i'm uh similar in terms of of how i relate to men is that it is a little bit more of a demisexual sort of a thing as well uh which is interesting because that is the opposite, from my understanding, of how a lot of men who are heteroflexible hetero or bisexual relate to men. That a lot of times the women are the one that they have romantic relationships with, and the men they just hook up with, have sex mm-hmm. with, just because it's, it's easy and it's fun and it's a way to get off or something like that. Yeah, I feel like I've heard a lot of like bisexual men expressing this feeling of like, like sometimes I just want a cock and like, but that's it. Like once I'm done with right. the cock, then I'm like done with the guy. And that's like, that's all I'm interested in. Right. Right. And yeah. that, and that, so the question that I've gotten sometimes like in, in guys talking to me is this sort of like, Oh, so you're heteroflexible. Like, is that cause you actually date guys or because you just want to get your D sucked? That's a quote. Mm-hmm. I'm specifically quoting from a message I got. Um, and I and I just didn't even respond to it because I was like I don't even want to have this conversation. Really yeah. yeah, but but it is kind of there is this assumption, and to go back to sort of this gender difference in the way that we treat bisexuals, there's also this idea that for a man to be bisexual, it must come from this like intensely sexual, very physical place, mm. um, and for a woman to be bisexual, uh, that it's that it is kind of more accepted that it would be more from a romantic standpoint or, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or more of a playful standpoint rather than like mm-hmm. a serious physical sexual attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that it's, yeah. that it's a little more from the fact that it's not threatening or like the camaraderie they have with other women or, or something yeah. like that, that there's kind of this dismissiveness on both sides. So, so with all this discussion, it's and like what I experienced at this panel at Comic Con is that it's really easy to get caught up in the frustration with how bisexuality is getting erased in popular culture, mm. or uh, you know how one gender or the other is so unfairly treated in one way or another, or something like that. Mm. And this is something that uh, we won't get into this now, but we were talking about there's some scientific studies showing, especially that liberal people 
weight fairness a lot higher in terms of their value judgments and stuff like that. Um, mm. And that that can lead to a lot of frustration and a lot of, of not only, you know, anger or, you know, motivation for changing things, but a lot more often just in terms of being upset a lot of the time, mm. being unhappy. Mm-hmm. And something that we try to really focus on on this show is understanding that there are challenges and there are difficulties, but not letting that be the force that, mm. you know, that like not letting that be the defining feature of the way that we talk about mm. our experience as polyamorous people or as, yeah. as non-hetero people or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to get a little spiritual at the end here. And have okay, our, yeah, let's bring the boot on. Yeah. So... Um, something that really struck me in reading about Buddhism a couple of years ago was the idea of fairness. That in Buddhism, fairness is something that's talked about specifically as something that in order to end our suffering, we need to accept the fact that unfairness exists Mm. and that it always has and it always will. Like that the universe is not fair. There's not some sort of cosmic justice and that's sort of a big misunderstanding with things like karma is Mm, that that karma is not the universe keeping score it's Mm -hmm. not the universe restoring balance to things it's a much bigger picture thing than that yeah so each individual our life is not going to be fair both in good ways and bad ways like there will there are ways in all of our lives that we get things that are unfairly good and things that are unfairly bad Mm-hmm. Some people will have more one than the other, and that's just that just is that is life, yeah. and that's not yeah. something that can be changed as a fact itself. So the question is, what do we do with this unfairness? Um, and so this is from an article on the Tiny Buddha, or on just Tiny Buddha, uh, mm-hmm. which is a great website for inspiration and things like that. Mm-hmm. This is about knowing what we can control and doing something about it versus knowing what we can't control and letting go of that. And it says, we can't change mistreatment that has happened in the past, but we can address mistreatment that's happening now. We can't change someone else's decision or behavior if they aren't willing to change, but we can change how we respond to them and choose to help educate and positively influence them. We can't change the tragedies that have occurred in our own lives or in places around the globe, but we can support causes that seek to prevent future tragedies or even spearhead our own. And we can't guarantee specific outcomes for our actions, but we can increase our odds of making a difference by being clear-headed, patient, and consistent. What's important is that we try to move beyond them so we don't let the things that we can't control take control of us. Mm. And I just really love this because yeah. it's, I, it happens to me a lot. I get caught up in the unfairness of things and I get frustrated about it and it stops mm-hmm. me from enjoying the advantages that I do have or it stops me from appreciating the things that I do have or when things do go well because mm-hmm. I'm still caught up in this repetitive feedback loop, <laughs> right, of yeah. thinking about unfairness. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think that's very common within the liberal you know, non, non, uh, how do I describe it? Like non status quo communities, right? Like non hetero or non gender conforming or, you know, whatever it is. 
that we can get caught up in these feedback loops of being frustrated. What I've said to people for a number of years is that, you know, if you are somebody who who does identify in a non-status quo community, if you're Mm -hmm. trans or intersex or bisexual or pansexual or poly or whatever it is, like the best thing you can do to make a change and to change someone's opinion is to just demonstrate your happiness is to be like the best possible version of yourself um, and be happy, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like that's really, you know, outside of like trying to debate with someone outside of trying to like verbally berate someone into changing their mind. um, The best thing you can do is just be positive. I'm going to sprinkle in some more Christianity by saying you can be a light. Oh man. See, I was going to go with Michael Jackson and say, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Michael, some sort of weird Michael Jackson hybrid Christianity uh, monstrosity piece <laughs> yes. of advice is what yes. we'll leave you with. All right. Or or I guess we could say like, be the change you want to see in the world. Throw some oh, Gandhi so, in there. It's, it's so, so played cliche, out. but I know. It's so cliche. But... So played out. <laughs> That's so 1972. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yes. <laughs> All right, well, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope that this was fun. I, I really enjoy this topic. This is something that I yeah. could talk about for days. Um, Seriously. As you, can, as you can tell by how long we talked about this on this episode. <laughs> Uh, but uh, please let us know, like some things that I would love to hear from you guys uh, on, you know, on Twitter uh, or in the comments for this, or send us an email or in the Patreon group or the Facebook group anywhere is about labels. Yeah, you know what's mm-hmm. what's your relationship to labels? This is something that I really do sincerely have a question about in terms of, you know, in in what ways do you think that labels are important to you? Like, why is it that you feel like labels are important if they are? Um, and if they're not to you, you know, why not? Are you opposed to them? Or is it just something that you don't bother with? Or, you know, are, are you label agnostic? Or are you actually like anti-labels? Um, all of this, like, I really want to have a discussion about that. Because it's something I've been thinking about a lot since going to this panel uh, and talking about all of that. All right. All right. Well, that's that for this week. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. You can find us on Twitter at Multiamory, on Facebook, Multiamory. And again, check out our Patreon page, which is Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Multiamory. All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Sayonara. Bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.